Our guest right now is Congresswoman Lori Trahan, and uh, love to uh, catch up with her, see what's happening and lots happening in Washington. And uh, Lori, good morning to you. Thanks for uh, thanks for coming on with us today. Oh, good morning. Thank you for having me, Wen. Uh, I guess uh, since we last met, uh, lots of stuff has happened, and uh, and uh, the, the, the Congress has been uh, passing bills. I don't know if they've been passing bills left or right, but uh, they have, they passed some uh, pretty uh, sizable ones concerning the uh, coronavirus. Absolutely. Uh, so since I spoke to you last, uh, I you know got in my car two weeks ago uh, at 10 p.m. on a Thursday night, and I actually drove down. Uh, to Washington to vote on the CARES Act, which is the largest relief package ever passed by Congress. Uh, and it does many things. Uh, it sends, you know, direct cash payments to more than 150 million people. It establishes loan and grant programs for our small businesses so that they can maintain payroll and survive the downturn. Uh, and it also gives uh, much needed assistance and cash to our cities and towns who are on the front lines, uh, as well as our hospitals uh, who are ramping up to meet a surge that they've never seen before. So uh, it does many, many other things. Uh, and as you can imagine, we're already preparing uh, the next package. But, you know, this one was geared toward relief. Uh, we've never seen anything like this in terms of our economy, uh, where demand has collapsed. Uh, supply is so limited. Uh, we're not in a position right now to stimulate an economy when people are staying at home, as they should, to protect uh, our collective public health. Uh, so right now, we just need to get through this, uh, keep people safe, keep people healthy, make sure that our healthcare workers are provided for. They're on the front lines each day, uh, putting their own health at risk while they care for others. Uh, and then hopefully, when you know, when we come out of this and the in the near future, uh, we will work hard to uh, stimulate our economy and get people back uh, back to work. Yeah, that seems to be the uh, the the talking points right now. That uh, uh, you know, people want to figure out how to get the economy going. I guess those unemployment numbers uh, really shook a lot of people up. Oh yeah, we've never seen. Uh, um, so quickly, uh, roles of, of unemployment, uh, which is why we had to take action. Uh, so, you know, the unemployment, uh, benefits that were part of CARES were historic. Uh, one, the federal government adds an additional $600 per week for individuals collecting benefits from, uh, the state of Massachusetts. And, uh, and those go retroactive to March 29th. Uh, so, you know, we expect claimants to be dispersed those funds uh, as early as this week. Uh, in addition, we've never uh, provided unemployment benefits to folks who are self-employed, you know, self-employed contractors, gig economy workers. Uh, and so that's a huge move. Uh, we need folks to, uh, um, you know, be taken care of. This package is all about providing relief to families, to workers, and to our small businesses. So, uh, you know, I, the guidance is coming out very quickly from the Department of Labor, from the Treasury on how the state of Massachusetts can uh, distribute those uh, those benefits. But that's happening quickly, and when we're seeing folks get checks this week. Oh, that's that, that would be fantastic. Now, is now that the the check you're talking about does that include the one uh, I just uh, this number stuck in my head of of twelve hundred dollars, or is that a different program? 
That's a different program. So that those checks will be coming out of the IRS. We've been told that those checks will be coming as early as next week, the week of April 13th. Uh, and those are direct cash payments. If you make up to $75,000 uh, based on your 2019 or your 2018 tax return, you'll be eligible for a $1,200 check um, and a $500 uh, in addition benefit for each dependent child you have. Um, uh, you know, there was some confusion around whether folks who were getting, you know, social social security beneficiaries would also be getting those and whether they had to file a, a separate form because many people who are um, who are receiving social security benefits do not file a federal income tax form, but that's not the case. Those checks will be automatically cut as well. So, you know, those checks are, uh, you know, we're really hopeful that those uh, start hitting the mailbox. And in many cases, if you get your tax return or your tax um, checks directly in, uh, deposited into your bank account, they'll, uh, they'll be directly deposited that way as well. Oh, great. I have direct deposit. <laughs> Looking forward <Good>. to that. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, and, you know, there's and there's more coming. I mean, I think that one of the things that we're realizing uh, is that, um, you know, after talking to small businesses uh, and, you know, just after talking to so many families uh, that, you know, this there will this will require another relief package. Uh, and there are certain things that we need to consider as we negotiate that uh, next package. Uh, one, you know, we've got a lot of cities and towns that are. Uh, kids are out of school. Families are working from home. Uh, not everyone has access to Wi-Fi or even the technology to uh, to work from home or, you know, uh, get online and uh, and learn remotely. So we need to provide for that, especially if this could be part of our normal going into the fall of, uh, of next year. The other thing is COBRA. Uh, you know, there are a lot of folks who go for un- unemployment and uh, even with that $600 added payment from the federal government on top of their state UI benefit, it's hard to pay for your health care insurance. Uh, and so, you know, making sure that folks are provided for during this difficult time, you know, we want to provide COBRA um, at no cost to um, to uh, families and, in, and unemployed individuals. Uh, and then certainly our cities and towns and our hospitals, they need more funding uh, to stay afloat. So, uh, while the next package uh, may not be a $2.2 trillion package, I do think that it's going to be pretty sizable uh, in, in terms of providing relief for those who need it. Well, uh, certainly looking forward to, uh, to seeing what happens as far as the uh, as far as it all works out. Uh, you know, one of the uh, one of the stories that we're running today talks about uh, a bus company in in Haverhill. The school committee decided to terminate the contract because uh, they aren't receiving the services because the schools have been shut down for two months. And and, and I'm sure that uh, well, the the story that we have is that Haverhill's not the only one that's terminated those contracts. So a lot of businesses have been hurt, you know, beyond the the restaurant industry. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, that, and that's one of the things up for debate, too, is whether we move that cap for these small business uh, loans. You mentioned uh, uh, the EIDL, which is the Economic Injury Disaster Loan, which a lot of small businesses uh, uh, understand. But there's a brand new program uh, for small businesses called the Paycheck Protection Program. 
Um, and this was created under the CARES Act. Um, and, and businesses can actually apply for both. Uh, the difference, there's many differences in terms of what those loans will go up to. The EIDL is up to $2 million and the PPP is up to $10 million. Uh, and some of the PPP loans, if you keep your payroll in place, will convert into a grant uh, and not be a loan that you have to pay back. But those are offered to small businesses with 500 employees or less. And I think right now we're seeing that, um, you know, businesses that have more employees uh, may require uh, relief as well. And you mentioned, you know, the bus company is a perfect example of that. Uh, you know, there's... Um, uh, so I think those are the things that we're looking at for the CARES 2 package. Uh, and, you know, the, the, the idea is to make sure that none of our businesses fail uh, and that we're, you know, just getting people through this unprecedented time, frankly. Um, uh, and so that we can, you know, come out on the other side and, uh, and stimulate our economy when people are, you know, secured in their health and able to uh, go back to some semblance of normal. We're talking with Congresswoman Lori Trahan, and uh, you know you you uh, mentioned the word grant, and I was thinking you know people who have a mortgage or uh, pay rent or anything like that, um, sometimes they've gotten the uh, an extension and and uh, they're okay on that. But uh, if you missed a month or two of of income, you're not going to have that extra money to uh, to make up that uh, payment that that's been delayed. So. Yeah, that's uh, I can see the dominoes uh, starting to tip over as far as uh, trying to catch up once we all get back to work. Yeah, there's no question. In fact, one of the things that we really fought hard for in the last uh, bill, um, you know, were moratoriums on some of these payments. Right. Uh, um, uh, and one of the things that, you know, is provided for is if you have a, you know, federally backed mortgage um, uh, or, you know, you're in a, um, a Section 8 housing and that's, you know, a federally subsidized program, those are, uh, you get relief there where you don't have to make those payments. Um, but, you know, across the board, you know, folks are struggling right now to meet the cost of their household while they have no, uh, or, you know, much less revenue coming in. And so we're still fighting for those uh, moratoriums. Uh, on on payments like you know your mortgage and your rent, um, uh, that, so that you know everyone um, can can get those benefits. Well, we're talking with uh, Congresswoman Lori Trahan, and uh, Lori, you mentioned that um, well, we we have a story about Borden Textiles, you know, helping out with uh, pillows for the Javits Center in New York City, and and I bet uh, you know the the third district. Is uh, is a wide ranging one, and I bet you have a lot of stories from a lot of companies stepping up at this time to uh, to help out. You bet. I mean, nothing makes me more proud um, when I than when I hear stories of Borden Textiles and you know Southwick, which the mayor um, was instrumental in uh, getting them an, an initial investment so that they could repurpose their textile manufacturing manufacturing floor into creating. PPE, uh, you know, the shortage of PPE has been the horror of this whole pandemic. Uh, and, you know, that's that while we've seen so many great companies step up and so many uh, local and state officials get real scrappy on trying to help uh, in this effort to provide our healthcare workers with the PPE that they need, the federal government needs to have in place 
um, a, uh, I'm calling for a Pandemic Production Act, which is very similar to what we do with our national defense. The federal government is a partner to the defense industry uh, in making sure that our servicemen and women have the technology, the resources, the uniforms, the armor, the food, whatever it may be that they need. And many of those things are you know, are manufactured right here in the United States. We have things like the Berry Amendment and Buy America because we would never rely on a foreign supply chain to protect our national security. And I think we need that for our public health. Uh, the fact that we've had to rely on a foreign supply chain and our federal government isn't ready to, uh, to partner with our medical device manufacturing floors uh, is just it, it's something that ca- those delays caused um, uh, the loss of lives in this country, and so I'm fighting to make sure that we make that a more seamless process. Yeah, and people would also extend that over to uh, I bet uh, medications, prescriptions, pills, and things like that. Absolutely, we're going to have you know right now the the innovation. Much of it is happening in Massachusetts around treatment. Um, around a vaccine, uh, and we want to make sure that we have that um, that manufacturing is happening in the United States, and that you know we're not relying um, on any anyone else uh, to provide for the health of our of our country. So I think that those um, we you know we've seen a lot of gaps, uh, and we've learned a lot of immediate lessons uh, that we can we can think about even as uh, as we we talk about the. Um, these future packages. Uh, I think it's a great way also to to bring manufacturing back to the United States. Um, you know, we've we've let the medical device manufacturing uh, wither a bit in our country, and this, uh, you know, it, it was never more obvious than these last two months. Hey, uh, a quick question: When you uh, went down to Washington, did you have to wear a face mask? You know, so when we, uh, uh, so I went down. Did I go down? I believe it was on March 13th. Um, and, uh, is that right? Yeah. Um, and no, so face masks w- weren't widely, uh, worn at that point. The Congress took, um, some, uh, prudent measures in terms of how we entered the floor. So, you know, no one wanted to have 435 members in the fo- on the floor at the same time, just milling around because there's no social distancing when you do that. So, I sat in the gallery. I sat four feet away from my next colleague. I only went down if I had to speak or vote. Uh, and everything was sanitized. When I st- stood at the rostrum to give my speech on the House floor, you know, I, uh, I, I was instructed and I was happy to, you know, use a Clorox wipe to wipe it down, even the microphone and anything that I touched. And so, um, you know, that, that got us through that moment. I will say I am wearing a face mask now when I, when I leave the House. And two, you know, there's a lot of debate on what happens when we go and vote on this next package. Uh, you know, I think one thing that I would have hoped to see in place is remote voting, right? There's a lot of, uh, there's, well, there's 435 members who are spread out all over the country. And while I can jump in my car and drive down there easily and avoid an airport and, uh, you know, avoid putting other people in harm's way, not everyone can do that. And, uh, and our Congress, you know, 40% of our Congress is over the age of 60. So, I think we need to uh, put some emergency remote voting procedures in place for times like this. Well, they've, they've been doing the remote meetings in Haverhill. I know that, you know, for city council and school committee. So, yeah, I don't we'll see why they can't do that in Washington. 
Yeah, you know, it's it's the voting part that's tough. I mean, all of my committee meetings are still. I mean, I, I had a House Armed Services meeting yesterday with uh, the Department of Defense and Pentagon officials, and uh, our committees are still meeting, and we have figured out the conference call and the Zoom structures for that. But the voting has been the part where you know we have to go to Washington in order to do that, and uh, and I think that we should just have a plan. I mean, Congress's work should never be interrupted. Uh, you know, we should always be able to operate to protect the American people. And I just think that a, a remote voting system should be part of that in the event that people cannot get to that uh, to that voting station. Well, it will, it will see how that works out. I'm, I'm sure that somebody will be able to figure it out. Somebody like you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Wynn. Oh, you bet. Anything else you'd like to uh, bring up today? You know, the, the one thing that I will just say and I remind people is that, you know, my team and I, we're working day and night uh, hustling to respond to all the constituents in the 3rd Congressional District. I mean, there are folks who are having issues with getting people home. They're stuck abroad and they need to bring them back into the country or they just need help getting, um, you know, their their unemployment benefits or going through the small business loan uh, process. Whatever it might be, I would just urge people uh, to call our office. We're all working from home, but that phone is getting picked up uh, every time it rings. So the number is 978-459-0101. Uh, and then check out our, our website. Uh, we have a lot of COVID-19 updates. It's trahan.house.gov. Um, and we also are doing regular teletown halls to keep folks informed. Um, so, you know, just use us as a resource. That's what we're here for. Um, and, uh, you know, we... We, uh, you know, we're doing the best that we can to make sure that people are um, not only heard in terms of what they need, but that we're also helping out uh, and getting them the benefits that are in place today. Well, I appreciate all the uh, all the effort that you're putting into this, and uh, it's uh, there's no rest for the weary. <laughs> so, no. Uh, no. so you're doing a great job, and, and thank you so much. You have a a, a nice uh, Easter weekend as well. Thank you. Thank to you, Lynn. All right. Congresswoman Lori Trahan, our guest this morning here on The Wave, 97.9 WHAV-FM. The news just around the corner. Wake up with Wynn Damon weekdays from 6 to 9 a.m. on 97.9 FM WHAV.